Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. The table of duties, uh, which you confessed earlier, uh, is probably the least known part of the catechism. Uh, it's merely a table, a list of, well, duties. Uh, it's kind of boring and it gets skipped over. But it's really profound in that it recognizes that God has placed each one of us in uh, three different estates or uh, areas of life at the same time. So each of us has a vocation in the home. We're either parents uh, or husbands or wives or children. Uh, we each have a vocation in civil society. We are either leaders or those in submission. And finally, each of us has a vocation in the church. We are either preachers of the word or we are hearers. Of the word. Today, the gospel lesson for the Sunday after Michaelmas, Matthew 9, 1 to 8, gives us the opportunity to talk specifically about the church, uh, the duty of the church, and really the vocation of pastors or preachers. So, this is going to be a sermon about what I'm supposed to do, and so now you all get to take a nap for the next 15 minutes. No, I am preaching so as to benefit you as you overhear the duties given to me. And it's actually really appropriate that this is happening today. I did not uh, remember this. I was reminded of this before the service. Uh, yesterday was my fifth anniversary here as your pastor. Uh, so you now get to hear again what I am supposed to be doing as your pastor. So just as the duties of a father and mother are in place for the benefit of a child, and as the duties of a civic leader are in place not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of civilians, so too are the duties of a preacher, uh, they're ben they're, they are there to benefit the hearers, you. And so even in this arrangement, this, this order, we see how God works. Uh, what may be law to me in, uh, or, or you in, in your or my vocation is actually gospel to somebody else. We see the grace of God even in this order. God is a God of order and a God of love. And the way that his love goes out to the world and through the world is through means. And we see this right away in our gospel lesson. Matthew writes, their people brought to him a man who was paralyzed, lying on a stretcher. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. There's this paralyzed man who cannot come to Jesus. But some people, maybe friends of him, maybe just some random people who saw him on the side of the street and knew he needed help, brought him to Jesus because he could not come on his own. Some people, by their work, their vocation, 
show this man love. And, and notice what Matthew says. When Jesus saw their faith, their faith, uh, not the faith of the paralyzed man, but, but when Jesus saw their faith, it, it's possible that this paralyzed man didn't even want to come. Uh, but, but because of the faith of these people, Jesus is now able to give this man exactly what he needs the most. This illustrates the need for hearers of the word, you, uh, to share in all good things, uh, including bringing those under your care to Jesus. Babies can't come to Jesus on their own. They need someone to bring them to Jesus, to the waters of holy baptism. Kids, as they get older, might not want to come to church. But by bringing them, Jesus is able to give them, through the gospel preached, and by your work, what they need the most. So, what does Jesus give that this man needs the most? He says, take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Remember last week when I mentioned this phrase, lift up your hearts. St. Augustine believed it to be the most succinct definition of the church's calling or the church's vocation, the church's duty. And you voters agreed to make this the motto of our congregation last week. Lift up your hearts. That's what Jesus says to this man. Take heart. Lift up your heart. Your sins are forgiven. But some in the crowd become angry that Jesus does this. They don't want Jesus to forgive the man's sins. They don't want this authority to exist on earth. And why? Because it means bad people can be forgiven? It means sinners can have forgiveness? It means God helps those who don't help themselves. It means people whom they look down upon are called the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In their mind, only God can forgive sins, and God will only forgive you if you, if you do what? If you work for it, if you repent, if you, if you ask and you beg for forgiveness. So Jesus says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? Well, the answer is neither one. They both are impossible. But then Jesus does the impossible, and he says something very unexpected. He says, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He doesn't say, so that you may know that God in heaven has authority but that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus is teaching something about the nature of forgiveness. Forgiveness uh, doesn't just exist in the abstract. Uh, it, forgiveness is not just in the air. It doesn't just magically come to you. And it doesn't come to you through your own preparation or your own works. God uses means. He uses means of, of human speech through words uh, which he has entrusted to every Christian. 
It's why we say in the Lord's Prayer, as we forgive those who trespass against us. God gives the church, everyone in the church, every Christian, the authority to forgive sins. We call this the office of the keys. It's the authority to unlock sins. And the church, by the instruction of Jesus, then calls men into the pastoral office, into the preaching office, to do this work publicly. Now the crowd, when they see the miracle Jesus perform, Matthew records them even recognizing this. Matthew says, when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God who had given such authority to men. But understand what this authority is. It's not something that preachers have so they can hold people subject to the rules of the church and to get people to act better, to give more money, to say more prayers, or to do more good work. It's not a weapon of the law. It's the gospel. Every preaching of the gospel is the preaching of the forgiveness of sins. Every time the message of Christ crucified is preached, that is the preaching of forgiveness. And this is a message, a mission, a gift that no other institution on earth has. This is something that no other religion can say. Every other religion on earth, uh, for every other religion, salvation is, is a work of the law, something that you do. But for Christianity, salvation is the forgiveness of sins by the work of Christ on the cross. Because on the cross, Jesus forgave the sins of the world. And by the miracle and by the grace of God, that forgiveness is applied backwards in time at least to, to this paralyzed man through the spoken word. And it is applied forward in time to you and us today through the same means. And so for you and me, unlike what the Pharisees and the crowd wanted to think, uh, this is not a potential forgiveness. You don't have to do anything to receive it. It's not maybe there if you do something. It is there, and it's been given to you already. It's a gift, a gift that God commands us to proclaim. That on the cross, God has forgiven your sins. And in fact, every Sunday you hear me say these words, Lift up your hearts as a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. The authority to forgive sins is not some special authority that, that only I have because preachers are somehow better or more holy than other people. That is, that is easy to disprove. <laughs> Just ask my family. Rather, I am ordained to do it. To be ordained literally means to be under orders. So when Christ appeared to the disciples on Easter Sunday, he gave them orders to forgive sins and promised them that, that whenever you forgive the sins of others, they are forgiven. So this also means that while the authority to forgive sins belongs to the whole church, not everyone in the church has the calling or the orders 
to forgive sins publicly. This is countercultural because, at least in modern Christianity, it's become popular to hear the phrase, uh, everyone is a minister. The idea is that because the medieval church so heightened the office of church workers, uh, we're now going to flatten everything out. We're going to flatten everyone out. The pastoral office then is really no different than any other person in the church. The only difference is he gets paid for it. But while it is true that every vocation in the church is from God, whether someone is a, a father or mother or son or a daughter, employer, employee, civilian, uh, or leader, or hearer, or preacher, and no office is more holy than another. And so that where Luther could say that, that a mother changing diapers is, is the most holy vocation. It's also true that every vocation is unique and distinct. And so we must maintain that the office of the holy ministry is therefore also unique and distinct. And this is actually a safeguard. Because if some random person wanted to get up and to preach and teach without a call, how would you know whether they are there to care for your souls or if they're a charlatan? But when, through the means of a congregation, God calls a man to preach in the stead and by the command of Christ, we know that the gospel that that man speaks and the forgiveness he distributes are not of, of his own conjuring, not of my own conjuring, but from God himself. This is a very great comfort. And so the incredible comfort and the gospel given to you through the preaching office is also why there are some very strict demands placed upon my office by the Apostle Paul, quoted in the table of duties. Hear this again. A bishop, a pastor, that is, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his, own, having his children in submission with all reverence, not a novice, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. The nature of having authority means that I don't get to do whatever I want. In both life and teaching, I must be subject to Scripture. These are all the directives from God that, that should be taken seriously. Uh, for instance, no drunkard should be in the pastoral office. Also, only men. Uh, no man, though, who has destroyed his marriage by, by adultery. Uh, no covetous man who wants more and more because his heart is set on money rather than on the care of the sheep. But there will be times where I will not be, for instance, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, like God demands. So when I stumble, and I will stumble, and I have stumbled because I too am a fallen sinner, I must repent and amend. And so then, because you have the office of hearer, you are to listen closely to what I say and do and judge it 
Not whether you like it or not, but judge it by the Word of God. And you also then, as a member of the church, of the Holy Christian Church, and the priesthood of all believers, have the authority to forgive. See, the relationship between hearer and preacher of God's Word is, is much like a marriage. One man and one woman join together. If a man goes seeking another woman, he's cheating on his spouse and he's sinning against his vocation. In the same way, it's, it's tempting and even easy for people to go find pastors who, uh, who they might like better, who tell them what they want to hear. But to do such a thing is to be unfaithful to the call and institution of Christ and, and a sin against the, your vocation as a hearer. Uh, such a person is no longer listening because here is the forgiveness of sins, but listening because here is a man they like. God protect us from that. So what you should hear by me or any preacher of the word then may not be what you want, but as long as it is the gospel, is what you need the most. It is the good news of the gospel. That is my duty, my office, my command to preach. For me, law. But for you, it's the most freeing thing in the world. The message of the gospel, the message of forgiveness of sins, allows you to actually get up, to take up your stretcher and go home. To serve in your vocation, whatever that might be. Father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, employer, employee, hearer, knowing that law for you, a duty for you, is gospel for somebody else. And so you can live your life in freedom, free from the burdens of the law and the need to earn your salvation by your living because it's already been given to you. You're not living to earn anything, but living having received everything already. So lift up your hearts. Your sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.